<laughs> this is called conversation. I'm going to I'm going to talk to you and I'm, hoping... I'm going to say words and then you might say words back. Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we look into some of the amazing academic discoveries and innovations we often hear about but never actually seem to touch our lives. We're here to find out what it takes to make those academic discoveries into actual things and uh, hopefully answer um, uh, or solve some of the problems that those discoveries run into. We are sponsored by Unimed, the Technology Transfer and Commercialization Office for the University of Nebraska. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Joe Rungi and Tyler Scher. Joe is the intellectual property lawyer in our office, and he also works with Unitech, the translational incubator for the university. Right, Joe? Right. Good job. Okay. You killed it. <laughs> Eighth time is the charm. I know. <laughs> so We had a pool going. We, I lost. Oh, how did I do? Oh, really? Yeah. You had the over. I had the over. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> also joined by Tyler Scher, a PhD in our office who's a uh, licensing associate. How's it going, Tyler? Good, Charlie. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I don't, no problem. I don't, I don't think you're sincere. No, I was totally sincere. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. That is pretty sincere for him. It is. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Um, so, Joe, it's been custom for you to give a special message to our listeners, Verl and Laverne. Thank you. Yes. Please take a moment to rate the podcast. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. And uh, we are telling stories of innovation from academic discovery and commercial opportunities throughout the world. And we want to be the front porch for university innovation for everyone. And anything you do helps other people discover the pod. Yes, that'd be great. Uh, also, if you have any ideas on, on topics you would like to hear us cover, we would certainly be open to listening to that. So um, help us tell those stories about how innovations at universities, and universities in particular, are making our lives better. That's what we want to we tell all those stories, not just at Nebraska. So, um, <clears throat> Okay, all that said, I think it's about time we went over something. Tyler was going on about uh, something about tripping acid. What was that, Tyler? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, your segways are weird. <laughs> um, yeah. So no. Uh, so I, yeah, I was just talking the other day about um, some of the uh, kind of um, crazy, off the wall, um, maybe things you wouldn't think of as modern treatments that are they're getting a lot of traction in the U.S. to treat really horrible mental illnesses and diseases. We're talking treating depression, PTSD, anxiety, addiction. You're talking about serious depression, not just your run-of-the-mill, I I can't last for Little League depression. Yeah, treatment-resistant depression. So these are, this is uh, about a third. So about 300, so these, the stats here are pretty dire. About 300 million people worldwide suffer from depression, and about 100 million of them suffer from the, the kind that can't be, that doesn't respond to, traditional therapeutic treatment. What do you mean by traditional therapeutic treatment? Yeah, so that's a good question. So, I mean, we have a lot of uh, a lot of options. There's a lot of antidepressants that have already been made and some antipsychotics that are used actually as antidepressives. So actually, one of the most, a few years ago, the most 
popular, widely sold drug in the U.S., um, Abilify. You probably would recognize some of the commercials oh, they yeah. had. Yep. Yeah, familiar with that. Uh, technically, an antipsychotic, actually. Um, uh, so it, it, it can it can be used to help some people. I mean, okay. it has it it can really help. Sad reality is a number of these um, medicines, like Abilify, actually have a side effect of depression. Um, and, and suicidal thoughts. So that seems <laughs> so, so about a third Jeez. of people get that side effect. Okay. They, it doesn't, not only are they not getting help, but they maybe get worse. Um, so what are the alternatives? Um, uh, the, the reality is pretty dire. So, um, so, so I, I want to try to connect a few dots here for you today. Um, in a few, okay. in a few minutes worth of time, I'm going to, we're going to connect hippies and big pharma and, and, uh, de- depression, sorry. <laughs> so it's some some kind of random hippies what in depression big pharma or big, pharma? big pharmaceutical companies hippies and, and, and big depression. pharma don't seem to be uh, they don't seem to to uh, mix to well mix. That, that's kind of oil and water yeah right? I'm, I'm having a hard time with these dots man you better get connected yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so okay so we're gonna start with the we're, we're talking about psychedelics and and the actual medicinal or therapeutic benefits that are being discovered uh, recently with psychedelics so. Uh, historically, the first uh, people interested um, in modern, the modern Western world, modern Western world in psychedelics were uh, big pharma. So we're talking um, Sandoz, now known as Novartis, um, and one other chemist, Albert Hoffman, was was researching. He was just doing his thing. He's he's a medicinal chemist. He's making tons of compounds that he thinks might have therapeutic benefit, right? Um, and one of them, um, lysergic acid, um, LSD. He just kind of set aside um, for a while. He, he s- synthesized this compound in the lab, thought it was interesting, um, but then got busy with other projects, came back to it five years later. So this is in 1938. He first created it. Five years later in 43, he got back to looking at it and yeah. accidentally spilled a drop on his hand. And he uh, experienced with that uh, drop uh, spilled onto his hand that went through, absorbed through his skin into his bloodstream, the first LSD trip. Um, he enjoyed it immensely. Pra- <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and uh, three days later, intentionally dosed himself with a massive dose and then rode his bike home um, and experienced the how did, first uh, how did bicycle that- ride trip. I, I think it was like it was like that scene in E.T. I think he, he probably felt like he was flying home okay. on his bike. Uh, uh, but anyway, so uh, so he became his kind of life's mission at that point was to was to to um, uh, investigate and synthesize all of the psychoactive. Kind of, so he did a lot of research, um, finding more and, excuses to dose himself. It sounds like well, not just that, no, but he he really had a belief, a strong conviction that there was some additional that benefit. Dosing himself was going to well, benefit humanity. Tr- tr- so he Sorry, and and the ahead. truth. <laughs> As a true scientist, he liked to experiment on himself I'm doing as this well. For so. you. <laughs> no, what he knew is that eventually they would form an IRB, and he had to get this done now. <laughs> so he was the first the paperwork. So he was the first hippie, <laughs> uh, but this wasn't even in America. This was in Europe. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so this so LSD things like psilocybin, which is the active compound in magic mushrooms. He also he he identified the compound psilocybin. Um, again, probably by experimenting on himself okay. to figure out which one did it. Okay. Um, so, all right. So, is, is that that dot? Are we can, we can we move on to the next dot now? The, the, yeah. So the or, next, the or next is there more that we need to know no, about this? Okay. No, that's yeah. So just so I'm keeping our dots clear, we've gone from big pharma to hippies now. 
Yep. Yeah. So now you have the hippie revolution here in the in the U.S. Especially Wait, what was you got, Big Pharma? You the sixties. So Big this, Pharma this, was the guy getting the hippie with LSD through his hand. Yeah. He, oh, he, he, was, he was a straight straight a straight laced medicinal chemist working for he was the probably, company that is now Novartis. He was probably huh. hassling the kids. You know, play, get off my lawn. Turn down your jazz music. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. that was the Big Pharma thing. Oh, I had it backwards. I thought he was the. Uh, no, and then so then he so became the hippie. He became the hippie. He did yeah. become. He stayed a medicinal chemist, but okay. became a hippie as well. Right. Yeah. So then you had, you had the whole '60s in the U.S. where LSD use, uh, magic mushroom use, basically ubiquitous. Anyone could get it if you wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some side effects. There were uh, there. So there, there's pros and cons. Um, we definitely don't want to want to hammer on some of the, the cons here as well. Uh, pros, there's no known lethal dose for some of these some of these compounds. Um, hmm. Psilocybin, magic mushrooms, no known lethal dose. So, I mean, even like ibuprofen has a lethal dose. Right. Um, mag- psilocybin doesn't. Uh, however, um, you can have bad trips that are really bad. Uh, they can send you into psychosis if you have a bad enough trip. Um, if you're already predisposed to mental illness, these can tip you over the edge. Um, you can also do crazy things while you're on them as well. So pros and cons. And so for those reasons, our government decided to really crack down. Um, during the Nixon administration, uh, they started the Controlled Substances Act, got passed through, and all of these psychedelics were labeled uh, Schedule One, which means they have no no benefit no, no medical use no benefit so with that, that that means something else too does that mm-hmm. also mean that you can't even research them that means research was very limited okay. Ex- yeah o- basically only people who had already been doing research kind of got grandfathered in they were still able to to synthesize and do research but not not on people okay um but all other research was yeah you're right was curbed so getting that schedule one status then effectively makes them kind of a, a uh, kind of a no-go zone for totally. even research. It, yes, right? no-go zone. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that so fast forward forty years. That was seventies. <clears throat> fast forward forty years. Um, some of those scientists continued, and they're at places like Johns Hopkins, um, Stanford, Berkeley. Continued to do some of this research. The ones that were grandfathered in, mm-hmm. um, and got they, they they were trying to figure out. They just they, passionate that there was some clinical benefit. Um, um, the, the combination of, again, chemists and therapists, um, psychologists believe there was some benefit. And, and this isn't just, you know, based on their personal experience. This is based on understanding the underlying biology. You know, you don't just synthesize a chemical and think, oh, gee, that looks neat, right? You, you, yeah. These are individuals have an understanding of how drugs affect human physiology. Yeah, that's and a very so, good point. You know, th- this is, it, it's, it's easy to make light of, you know, the chemist writing his bike home, but, right. you know, there, there is a certain extent to which he has awareness as to sort of what is going on. And I think one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I'm less interested in talking than, than Tyler's, but the, one of the things that's really interesting about psychedelics is that they really bleed into things that we don't understand about human experience, like what is consciousness? Exactly. How, how that's how I was going to go there. Yeah. You know, and, and so, um, you know, not, not sort of, Steal your thunder. Sorry. No, that's that. fine. No, it's perfect. But I think that like that's really you know what this kind of current moment is, and then kind of combined with some better understanding of brain biology by using computers yeah. and biomarkers to better understand brain imaging. Right, yeah, brain imaging. I'm just going to stop talking now. No, that's perfect. Yeah. So these. So uh, the original scientist Albert Hoffman was looking for chemicals that would um, that would bring people back from being. Um, anesthetized under general anesthesia. So these these were 
consciousness altering chemicals um, that would be that would that would reverse the effects of anesthesia. Um, so and that's that they do have an effect on consciousness. So he his hunch um, and his and, and his kind of uh, crazy medicinal chemist brain was correct. They have an effect on consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so so again so fast forward now to 2014. Um, these the the kind of this uh, this group of scientists um, really were, were looking for some way to try to try to prove that there was some therapeutic potential, and they ran a study at Johns Ho- Johns Hopkins um, with terminally ill cancer patients. So this was a, a double blind placebo. Um, some cancer patients got a sugar pill, and some got um, psilocybin in a pill. Um, and then they were there was a very controlled environment. They were they they played some really um, uh, some some relaxing music, and they had doctors nearby and psychologists in the room to monitor their their vitals um, and their 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 attitude throughout the whole process. But during a four hour trip, those patients who were again these are terminally ill, basically as as depressed as you can get because they they're facing their inevitable death cancer patients they have death sentences essentially right so yes. you're with people there's no and, and to to a person all of them uh uh were afterwards after one trip were for out to six months to a year later and i don't think most of them lived that long anyway wow. um were had had accepted their inevitable death um were able to bring closure to their close relationships with family and friends um were smiling and happy every day people uh, had no reason to be happy abs- they had not they had, they they had been dealt a, the a crap hand yeah they had no reason to be happy and they they had they had totally and they were totally the, at peace and it was the magic the active ingredient in the magic mushrooms essentially that yeah, that was it. Was a double that? blind placebo. So okay. yeah, the the people that didn't that got the sugar pill did not experience hmm. this, and the ones that did did. Okay. Yeah, and on top of that, they they all said this was among the top two, three, four experiences of their entire life. They said it was a spiritual experience. It was up there with the birth of a child or okay, their, so their wedding. So how do we get this out of the the hokey hippie sort of political? Yeah barriers that we're going to have with this type of treatment and make it acceptable to help the people who need it. Well, that was a big breakthrough doing that rigorous clinical trial with with basically the the most depressed people you could find um, as your as your control group. I mean, that was that that, that so that study encouraged um, the, the, a new study now sorry, that's being undergone that right now. That was at Johns Hopkins. Okay. So now there's a multi-site study um, based largely on those results and others, there were multiple studies like that in the last couple of years, a multi-site, multinational study um, that the FDA greenlit. Um, they, so the FDA is uh, just in the last year, in 2018, labeled psilocybin as, as a breakthrough therapy, which is a huge, that's a huge designation. So typically only maybe up to a dozen therapeutics are labeled breakthrough status by the FDA annually, maybe even less than that. And they're typically uh, cancer drugs that, that, that have shown huge results clinically, um, or, or like hepatitis C drugs. So this breakthrough status is huge. Uh, uh, so that's shown, that's, that shows that the government believes that now there is medical use. They're, they're green lighting these clinic, these phase two and phase three clinical trials, um, to really validate the use to treat, uh, treatment resistant depression. So what are the chances then? That, I mean, because there's going to have to be some major movement in, I mean, politically, there's going to be major. The, the political players are basically all lined up too. I mean, you have, 
Um, you have former directors of the NIH or former higher ups in the FDA that are all that are all backing this this treatment. Um, you have you have people like Peter Thiel who's invested a hundred million dollars into campus uh, Compass Pathways. It's a company that that uh, that has the the proprietary intellectual property with these synthesized psilocybin compounds. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's this seems to be everything seems to be lining up for this to be an actual treatment uh, near you in the next couple of years. Really? Because I mean, it, the, the the amount it means people had to move mountains to make medical marijuana possible, and even then, people <clears throat> are still fighting that. Yeah, no. So I mean, you might not be. So it, it'll still be state by state adopted. I'm sure you might have yeah. to travel a ways to to do it. Um, you'll have to get a uh, prescription. Yeah. Yeah. All of that of will still be in place. Yeah. But places like Denver um, have have a, a, a ballot measure to vote for decriminalization of psilocybin. Coming, Denver or Colorado? Just Denver. Just the city. Okay. That's on. It was on ballot or is on ballot still oh, uh, to be voted on soon. So. But what are they doing about traffic? <laughs> That's what, well, they're all going to be flying on there. <laughs> it's a bad joke. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So anything else to add about this stuff? Uh, so I'd only add that psilocybin is only one of psychoactive compounds that have been investigated to treat um, a number of mental illnesses. Um, so if there's interest in, a, in this uh, episode, we can certainly do more episodes on other compounds related to treat addiction, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, things like that. This anxiety. is all psilocybin that does that? Or? No, these would be – so, well, uh, psilocybin has been shown to have uh, effects with, with addiction and with post-traumatic stress disorder, but other psychoactive compounds have been shown with, with more rigorous – uh, research studies um, to, to have direct effects. So on. a lot more stuff. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, well, on that note, I think it's time to come to ground. Thank you for joining us. I'm Charlie Litton for Tyler Sher, Joe Rungi. Uh, please join us again on Innovation Overground. And check the program notes for more about the psychedelics treatments for clinical depression. Yes. Yes. All right.